Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Rough Draft. I am your host, Reza Aslan. On the pod today, we have two guests, Tanya Saracho and Gloria Calderon-Kellett. Tanya, of course, is the creator of the Stars series Vita, and Gloria is the creator of the One Day at a Time reboot. I'm not exaggerating when I say this was by far the most fun I have ever had doing this show. The two of them together are a hilarious pair. They share uh, stories about what it's like to be not just a person of color in Hollywood, but a female person of color. How much shit they had to eat for so long from white guys telling them what the Latina experience was really about. And maybe some of you don't understand this, but... Hollywood is still enormously whitewashed, right? And what the pressure was like on both of them to create, you know, a Latinx show that had to be amazing or else, right? This is the thing that a lot of writers and creators of color say all the time, which is that you don't get to fail. You know, white guys can make one shit show after another and they just keep getting to succeed. Whereas a lot of creatives of color If you don't hit it out of the park right away, no one ever hears from you again. What's the pressure like for you in that situation? Also, both of them write shows that are full of Latina characters, Latinx characters, I should say. And in both cases, they feel a real responsibility to kind of change the way that people think about the Latinx community. I mean... I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone to know that we're living in a time of profound racism, a lot of anti-Latina, Latino sentiment out there, a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment. And for a lot of people, the only way that they're ever going to meet someone who is from the Latinx community is going to be on TV. So what kind of pressure does that put on a creator to make characters that aren't just compelling three-dimensional characters that you actually care about, but that actually have the ability to change people's perceptions, to change the way they even think about the entire community. Is that even something that can happen or not? Is that just asking way too much of a storyteller? Who knows? But that's part of the conversation that we have on the show today. So without further ado, I present to you Tanya Siracho and Gloria Calderon-Kellett. You two have known each other for a long time. I mean, you're both writers in the same field, but you also do something very special. You have an, uh, an organization called One Vita at a Time. Can you talk about what that is? It's not even an organization. It's just, it's a hashtag. It's a hashtag. <laughs> That's like an organization. It's a movement. It's a movement. That's what I like. It's a movement. It's a movement. Hashtag me. Hashtag yeah. me. One, day at a, uh, one Vita well, at a Time. It really started a year ago when um, the family separation started Mm -hmm. uh, under this administration. 
and we were just feeling sick. We Marco Polo. This is not an ad for Marco Polo. Do you know Polo. what Marco Polo is? Do you know what Marco Polo is? I mean, I know who Marco no, Polo no, is. No, 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 no. So, I mean, no. So, Am I so out of it? You should download, download this app. Yeah. Download this we will Marco Polo yes. with you we will, every day it's if you on want. on the interweb? It's is like, that what it is? Uh, video the... walkie-talkie. Yeah. Oh. So when she's taking off but her makeup, long, but as when long as you want, want yeah. in the bath, I'm in the bath, Marco Polo yeah. you. And diggy diggy diggy. Yeah, yeah. So All day just Marco Polo each other? Well, we're busy women. We want to stay connected. And so whenever we have a moment, we'll download whatever we're feeling or thinking or mm -hmm. frustrations or anything and then when I have time to watch it I'll watch hers yeah. and then when I have time to respond I'll respond and then it she'll watch it there waiting she for can. you to watch it or you could do it real time it's really cool I yeah. make all my writers wow. download it <laughs> Mike and I do it now yeah. for ideas and then like we it's, it's, it's like a virtual amazing days, yeah. so anyway, we do, no, we're not sponsored anyway. by Marco no. Polo okay. anyway. <laughs> uh, yet uh, but no uh, we were going back and forth and talking about how um, yeah, you're watching this thing happening, yes, and it's just and like, it's, what do I do what, about it? You yeah, were here in the comfort of Hollywood, writing our, living our dream lives, mm -hmm. really, and here are these people that they're before our the grace of, of God go we, yeah. you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tanya, I think, said, let's start with the writers. Let's start with the scribes. No one ever does that. And it was uh, sort of rooms and awareness of rooms and what they look like was starting to become a conversation yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, of course, yeah. So we started to challenge other writers' rooms. Vida challenged one day at a time, and it was show your support with a photo saying that no immigrant is illegal, families belong together, and donate and uh, to Raices. Mm -hmm. And we got over 99 writers' rooms in, in wow. Los Angeles, too. Hundreds of thousands. That's amazing. Because writers have money. Because writers have money. <laughs> oh, yeah, we writers, man. We're just rolling in <laughs> Hollywood it. Hollywood writers. The Hollywood writers, it, it, really, it really was, and I think everyone was feeling the same uh, sense of helplessness and like, what do we do? And you know, that's on yeah. social media, that's what you have. What do we do? What do we do? And, and this felt active, you know? And yes. so 99 writers' rooms participated, which is, I mean, writers don't take, like to take pictures no, of themselves. No. So it was it was a big feat, you know, to like have these full rooms. Uh, right. And so I mean, you can still um click on the hashtag and see all the rooms. It, 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 That's um, really it was lovely. really exciting. the more you know, the more rooms would come in, we would be, get so excited. We'd get really yeah. and, and also it was, you know, it started with all the Latino shows. And I think yeah. what became really moving was when it was rooms that were all white. Right, right. right. That, when it expands that yeah. really cared and really felt like we want to lend our voice to this thing too. To us it didn't feel partisan. It was not a nonpartisan issue. It's like yeah. this is not an yeah. let's all agree this is not cool. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So Well actually human dignity turns out is a partisan I issue. Guess who, so. who who knew? Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Like Nazis and human dignity yeah. are now a partisan issue, I guess. It's madness. So yeah. it's it's over a year later, and sadly things are worse. And we were saying the same thing on Marco Polo. Oh, God, it's a what year. do we do now? And we we couldn't come up with a like a new. It, it has to be virtual because we don't we don't have a five hundred one c three. We uh -huh. don't have a foundation. Right. Um, so it's like what can be what can we start virtual? We found this amazing organization. Um, Immigrant families together. Um, uh, it's an um, ¿cómo se dice? Este, uh, nonprofit. Sí, no. but no, gay, 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 gay. no um, volunteer. Uh -huh. Oh, volunteer. My words. Yeah, it's a no, volunteer. No, okay. Some mom started it, oh. and uh, you know it was really amazing. And so we started a hug challenge. We couldn't come up with what what the thing was for <laughs> Right, right. But um, I was talking to Yanina de Marco, and she started talking about like, what if it's a hug thing? Uh, Yanina de Marco is this uh, Dominican singer um, that we used on Vida, and um, and then uh, Michelle 
brow that was like, what if it's throwback pictures of, because like, just to humanize, right. you know? Because yeah, that, I think that's the big problem, that the, that brown child um, waiting to, for, you know, for, to, waiting in that cage is not, does not equal right. that white child. It's you just, know? well, it's just an image. Yeah. It, it doesn't have anything to do with me. I may be outraged, I may be disgusted, but there's no connection yeah, that's with right. me. Of course, this, there is a connection. I mean, you guys uh, uh, come to this from uh, a, a deep well of emotion and, and, and identity and, and, and connectivity with it. Um, uh, Gloria, you were born in the U.S., but of course your family's from Cuba, Cuba. right? And you were born in Mexico, mm -hmm. um, and you came, what, how old were you when you came to the States? I around 12, 13, About 12 or to 13. the border town yeah. of McAllen, Texas, where everything is happening, <laughs> yes. you know? So, right. um, so that border life I understood for a long time, but it's very different now. Can you talk um, a little bit, Gloria, about like the experience of being, I guess, a first-generation American of, of Cuban uh, heritage? I yes. mean, what, what was that like? Where, where, where did you grow up, by the way? I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh, yeah. Nice. Huge Crazy. Latinx community Crazy, just yeah. lousy yeah. with Latinos. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not. So my parents came in 1962 during mm. Operation Pedro Pan, which I do an episode on One Day at a Time mm. about. Uh, but it was, was 14,000 Cuban children were brought mm -hmm. over between 1960 and 1962 under a sort of exchange program so they could be kept safe while the Kennedy administration was going to get Castro out of Cuba, which right. did not happen. So uh, this was all happening and Castro did not know about it. He really thought that these kids were coming to study. Once he got wind of it, he is an evil genius or was an evil genius. And he started sending spies around to the grocery stores. So my grandmother's at the grocery store one day and it's like, oh yeah, did you hear the girls in, in Miami? They're <laughs> prostitutes now. And my grandmother went home and said, we're leaving, we're going. Oh, wow. We're going, the girls are there and there's, we gotta go. Hmm. And he knew that all of these people that had many with means would sign over all their land to go be with their children and that's what they did. So Miami's not what it is now, that's really how Miami be right. became Miami. And it was, it was 14,000 Cuban kids and then their parents were coming over on the Freedom Flights, there was no infrastructure for all these new people. So churches around the country took in Cubans, it was amazing. So Nebraska, New Jersey is a huge uh, human community in New Jersey. And my parents, both parents and a bunch of other Cubans went to Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was they were in foster care. They were So I grew up in a really lovely, wow. vibrant Cuban community in Portland, surrounded by white people. And it was lovely. It was a lovely, we were very welcome and it was a different time. And I, when we moved to San Diego when, when I was 14, it was the first time that I met other Latinos. Mm -hmm. And I really, it was <laughs> true. Mexicans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah right. well, everything, everything. Yeah. Oh, and it was the first time I really was like, oh, you, your experience is not the same as my experience. I mean, I learned at 14. And that I, that my family had a privilege, that there was a Latino privilege that came with being Cuban because we were granted, my parents were granted a path to citizenship. Yes. Which they got. Right. We were, they were able to buy a home. They were able to get, you know. Because it fit in the political ethos of the United States. That's, that's kind of what time. we wanted yeah. to. That's correct. Well, that's, that's correct. So about, th you said 12, 13, 14 around then? So, yes. Oh, so it's the same age that you came to, to mm -hmm. the U.S. So the United States. I, I wonder, like, how, what was your experience like? And did it feel this way? Did you immediately recognize that you were sort of being looked at, particularly by the community in, in McAllen, as sort of different or... Well, McAllen, border towns are yeah. their own thing, sure. right? Yeah, you, it's a liminal space. You yeah, yeah, and you grow up with the two tongues and two brains mm. and two sets of values. Uh, you navigate that the whole time. I, I got here and I had, because I, 
I had studied the United States, but it was very limited back then. Like it was VHS and that kind of thing. Uh -huh. We had two movies. We had Karate Kid Part Two. We had I don't know what the original. No, no, it was a solid movie. Wait, that was a so I saw that was the other a solid day. movie. It holds up. It holds up. All right. And uh, Grease Two. No, also amazing. Uh, I, oh, I feel like you got a great introduction I, I to do, America. But then I thought, oh. Did you just think that all American movies are sequels? I'm <laughs> <laughs> really you're like, don't they make the first one? America is the ultimate sequel, though, <laughs> yeah, right? Yes, very good, very good. So, yeah, very good. No, but I thought, because, you know, it was all, I thought it was like 50s. Because also in the Karate Kid part, do you remember they go to a 50s oh, dance? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, uh -huh. oh, so the first day of school in the United States, I get like a like a jacket, I, I like this. a jacket. Yeah. Like it looks like I'm a, a, a pink lady. Like a you know? poodle, like yeah. poodle yeah, skirt. Yeah, poodle skirt, but like the rolled uh -huh. up. And it was 19, like, it was the 90s, you know? So mm. that's not what people were wearing. They're wearing like swatch, you know? Mm -hmm. I am such an immigrant walking down these halls. And I was, and I thought I knew English, but I didn't know like, cool and dude and all that stuff uh -huh. so i was just blaring him you know and then there were all these mexican americans that didn't speak spanish that were like she's a mexican national you know right. and then there were the, the 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 texans with the you know the green and so th that started happening i it was it was a culture clash it was like do not believe the media because that's <laughs> not what it is you know but and then i had this accent that i needed to get rid of i um there was this um poster to join speech and debate but i thought it was like speech therapy um and so i joined and right away they gave me a roll doll poem and 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 i and i'm like okay so it's for to get rid of my accent right so um and then they were like um the teacher was like come on saturday um and just give your mom needs to give you 20 bucks and she needs to sign this you know this permission slip and immigrant moms that don't speak Spanish, they sign in. They, you oh, need money? Yeah. Yes, whatever, whatever it is. You know, your teacher said, then yes. Mm -hmm. So Saturday, she drops me off at 8 a.m. And at 5 p.m., um, I get off the bus with a trophy. And my mother's like, for your speech therapy? <laughs> and for your accent reduction, you know? You did such like, a good job. And then next Saturday, same thing. So like, by the like fourth Saturday, the, the trophies kept getting bigger. She's like... <laughs> what are you doing there? I don't know. I, I get in front of this person and I read my Roald Dahl poem. I do all the voices that Mrs. Lewis tells me to do. And then they put me to another room in an auditorium and I read for everybody. And then they give me one of these. <laughs> you know? So it's like, this, you know, and it was, I was competing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like when, when I got to like state, then I was like, okay. But still with that accent and stuff. So I, I feel like that's where I fell in love with. Voices. You well, know, I was just going to say, I wonder yeah. if was that a moment? Was there yeah. a moment there where you're like, wait a second? Wait a second. I yeah. could make a career. Well, out not of career, this. but I was like, in high school, I shall join the drama, you know, mm -hmm. uh, club. Mm -hmm. But but it but it was like a way into America, you know. Right. Um, I didn't know that yeah. story. That's a good story. I love yeah, it. I love what, voices what, now. Well, I wonder I in, in both of your cases, as you're sort of you know negotiating your your identity and and trying to sort of figure out what part of you is you know, the new country and what part of you is the old country, how much of you is connected to your past, how much of it is about this present. What role did um, stories or, or books or writing, you know, what, what role did those play in helping you kind of figure out who you were? Oh my gosh. I, were, you, were you so like, much. were you Well, readers? I thought yeah. I was white for a very long time. Yeah, me too. Which is weird. Very yeah. shocking. Well, white is a construct, so maybe yes. you are mm -hmm. <laughs> in some places. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. no. 
I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I just, and I'm very passing, right? So, so I, I would always see myself as the lead. I was, I was Molly Ringwald. I was, right. you know, like mm -hmm. that. That was how I saw myself. But I was like, I was very aware that I didn't look like them. And I remember I really identified with Alyssa Milano because I thought she was Latina. Well, she's Latin. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, that's <laughs> like me. Oh, yeah. That's she's like me. Uh, this is like the Who's the Boss days? Who's the Boss, yeah. yeah she was the on the back of my door and River Phoenix. River Phoenix and Alyssa Milano were on the back of my door. Well, you guys have a lot in common with each other, but of course one major thing that you have in common with each other is that you both kind of began with playwriting. Yeah. Right. How did, how she did was a happen? real playwright, though. I was yeah. like a pretend. Yeah, I was like a pretend playwright, and she was like a real playwright. How, how did how did you get into to playwriting? Well, to I, mean, me, I, I, I get the story of how you started acting, because people just kept giving you trophies every time you made yeah. gave a speech. Yeah, a little bit. I would That's do that too. I'd be like, wait, is that how it works? Yeah. Um, but how? Why playwriting? Well, I went to school to study acting, but then the the. When we would get um, monologues for class, there was never anything. I could never find mm. stuff, you know, for me to do. So like, um, but you had any sort of connection yeah, yeah. Like I, I think I did one year. I found Milcha Sanchez Scott that never like she wrote the Cuban swimmer, and then she wrote this other play, and she never wrote again. Roosters, and um, I, I, I read that, and I was like, where are the other, especially like Latinas that I could mm -hmm. do? So then I like I said I'll write something for the. Um, the festival, you know, the student mm -hmm. festival. So every year I wrote something and then I, I liked it more, you know, the control. And then when I got to Chicago, um, to the, I lived in Chicago for 16 years and all the roles I was going for, even, this is after, after going to Oxford to study Shakespeare, okay? All the roles were named Maria and all the line was always like, just Mr. Johnson, you know, like you always said, like that was like, or, or through here, sir, you know, that was always the fucking mm -hmm. Maria or Aurora, Maria or Aurora, they were called, you know, so like, mm -hmm. I, I was like, I'm, I I, how am I going to, I'm a classically trained actress. Yeah. I need to yeah. write my own shit. So then I started a theater company, um, Teatro Luna, all mm -hmm. Latina too. And so like that, the writing came from a need because there was no, I'm fat, I'm brown. I'm, I'm never, where where am I? Where mm -hmm. was I in the landscape? You know, so like, and then we wrote them ourselves in Teatro Luna. Does that ring true to you? Because I, I hear this the same. all it's the so time, crazy. right? This is yeah. like the same, we have like the same story on opposite sides of the country. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same thing. I, I would I would look for monologues, find nothing that felt appropriate yep. to me. So I would write something and then people would be like, the acting was good, but who wrote that? And I was like, I don't know, I wrote that. And then when I came back from England, I also felt like I'm a classically trained actress and all the parts I was going out for were, Chewy, put the gun down, orale. <laughs> <laughs> You're cute. It was that, I know, I know, but it would always be like, but oh, yeah, 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 yeah. como tu puedes hacer eso, papi? It was to that. Amer to Americans, it's all Mexican. It's all yeah. the same. It's yeah, and it was always, yeah. she's too white, she's too, like, it was really interesting. I'm like, well, we, this is also, they're like, are you half? No. No, I'm, it's full thing. It's full thing. Um, so it it was the same, and I was like, certainly there has to be yeah. teachers something that's a little bit more representative of yeah. what's out there. This is such a valuable lesson, and I hear it all the time. But I think that it's something that needs to be said over and over again, particularly for um, you know performers of color, uh, creatives of color, which is that. You just have to write it yourself. Make your own. You just yeah, gotta make it own. yourself. Yeah. And look, it was harder uh, back in the '90s. It really was. Yeah. But nowadays, there's honestly no excuse anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I and mean, then we the, have the phones. The and we platforms have the are there. The hours yeah. are there. Just do it yourself. Stop waiting yeah. for someone else to do it for you. That's right. I think that's what's so amazing about both of your career trajectories is that you just decided, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna write it. Right. 
Um, in your case, I love I love this story that I heard about you, which which was that you decided, okay, so you know you you were you were playwriting, and then you decided you wanted to get into TV uh, writing. I don't know, maybe to actually earn a living. I have no yep. idea. But um, <laughs> and you did it in the most awesome way. You just basically just started watching a lot of TV and kind of studying it, right? Yeah. Is it? Tell me about. Tell me that yeah. story. Yeah. So the Paley Center, which was the Museum of TV and Radio, this is That's before right. Hulu and before all of that. You can't. Yeah. You you couldn't watch old just TV. Find it you yeah, just find it. Just find any show you wanted. Right. Yeah. So the idea that there was a library for TV shows, like it blew my mind. So I would go in there and I would check out mm -hmm. whatever show, Charlie's Angels, My Soul Called Life, uh, Wonder, I mean, I watched mm -hmm. everything and I would put my little earphones on and you like study it and I would just study it for hours and hours and hours. And at the time I was working for- Like deconstructing it. Deconstructing, yeah. breaking it down. When was yeah. the commercial break? Like what yeah. happens? Oh, this character does this. Oh, that's a B story. Like I was really mm. breaking it down, not so much for enjoyment, because I was familiar with all of these shows already. It was but to, to really understand what the craft yeah. was. And I would spend hours and hours and hours in there. And it was unbelievable. I think the thing that that the struggle part, because I we you know, both of us talk to a lot of writers coming up now. And the one thing that's so valuable mm -hmm. about the struggle is the struggle for both of us taught us how to be showrunners. Right. That's the thing that like I wouldn't have wanted to not go yeah. through that. I'm so happy for mm -hmm. the journey as it took yeah. us because we were really ready when we were handed the reins. Whereas I think now people are like, I'm here and I'm writing stuff and where's my TV show? Right. And I worry because there's so much more pressure on people of color to make excellence. There's yeah. so much more pressure because they want so much, I think the, the excuse, every year bad white shows are made and they keep making bad white shows. They right. keep making white shows. Yeah. But if one year they're like, oh, that Latino show, man, it just didn't. No more no Latino, Latino shows. shows. You're like, what? That's it. How is this, how is this <laughs> possible? Our you shows are excellent. It up for all and of us. then yeah. and still they're like hanging out. Yeah. Right I know. Yeah. I know. I want to stay with this Paley Center experience for a minute okay. here. I'm curious, what about the craft of TV writing did you did you learn? I mean, besides sort of structure, acts, things like that. I mean, tell me like what you what lessons you took away from that that then became part of your career. Wow, that's a great question. Uh, I think I really realized that the unfolding of the story was very much like a play, and my so I have I went to London for for uh -huh. a proper drama school. But I got my master's as an MA, like it's the study of playwriting. It wasn't the writing of plays. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get to, I wrote plays when I was there, but that wasn't what I was doing there. I was really studying uh, really all the great British playwrights. Mm. And so to have gone from that to... Mod. To mod <laughs> was like, oh. And then seeing it was, it's crazy because I was watching a lot of Norman Lear work and just saying like, oh, this can say something. This can have an impact and an effect. And that's how I want my yep. storytelling mm -hmm. to come through. I want to reach the masses. Mm -hmm. I need to talk to the people in the living rooms. I need to be that. Yeah, that, that for, compared to playwriting, I like even my most successful play and like, I've had plays at Oregon Shakespeare yeah. Festival, no, The Goodman. She's a legit playwright. But not, no one has watched, like, like the, every single person that came to see, I don't know, A Song for the Disappeared, it doesn't compare to one episode of Vida, you know? So, like, it's such, it has such reach. Mm -hmm. It's, like, a more popular um, f form for, for if you're trying to do a message, you yeah. know? It, is yeah. that why you transitioned into No, it was an accident. Writing? That was an accident. So was you just, like, slipped in into the wrong door? 
And you're I like, love oh, it. is this a writer's room? No, wait, it was. All right, I'll just sit but, down. But, a little but kind bit. of. But kind of. I actually I, know this story, and I know the, what you're going to say. So I would like to take all. I like to take all the credit. Tell us about your first gig. Uh, as a TV writer. <laughs> this lady. Um, I was doing, I was like, I felt like I had arrived. I was doing my first play in New York. I was sleeping in like people's couches and stuff, but uh, the New York Times was going to come and review it. So I had arrived, you know? Right. And then I get this email from this um, agent that wanted to go to take me to lunch. And in the theater, they take you to coffee, not lunch. And so this Uta guy was like, yeah, come meet me here for, for lunch. So I was like, I met, I kept talking about, oh, this Uta, this guy from Uta. This, um, and this Uta guy, and then nobody corrected me forever. <laughs> I meet with him and he's like, UTA. He was yeah. uh, not a talent UTA. agency. Yeah, yeah. one of the lar like, largest talent agencies. Yeah. Periods. It just says Uta. <laughs> so, like, I, yeah. Whatever. I read English. It's yeah. Uta. You know. Mm -hmm. I thought it was something. You know. So, um, and he was also he was wearing a suit in the middle of the summer in New York, and I ordered the steak because so I was like, shit, I don't know. It's on Uta. Yeah, it was all. It's on Uta. You yeah. know. So um, he's like, you know, I read your play Malayerba. Uh, I think you could really write for TV. And I seriously, seriously, I never thought that people actually sat down and wrote for TV. Like, I didn't have that, like, not just respect for TV, but, like, mm -hmm. I didn't think about TV that much. It was like I was such a theater person. And uh, I was like, oh, do I have to go back to school for that because I don't have money right now? <laughs> no, 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 just do this. I guess I had told a story about my dad's mistress. And he was like, do this. Tell the story about your dad mistress at every general meeting that I send you to. And I was like, <laughs> he really meant it. He was like, uh -huh. when he would be like, don't forget to tell a story about your dad's mistress. And it was, so, I think he knew, because my play had to do with my dad's mistress, and then we sold it to HBO later on. He already was thinking, but I was just like, I'm supposed to tell you about my dad's mistress, you know? But that's sort of how it happened, and accidentally... Um, wait, wait, wait. Do you honestly think you can get away without telling us about your dad's mistress? Yeah. <laughs> like, were you going to move on? That's insane. Like, <laughs> That wasn't going to happen, was it? My dad disowned me, so I can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he disowned me the year that I was working in Divas Base. I remember. Um, I, uh, you know, South Texas, traditional. Uh, my dad has a wife that's like five years older than me, not, <laughs> you know, uh, um, but taller than him, and he makes her wear her hair back so she doesn't look taller. She can't wear heels. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my God. Thank God my dad doesn't. Watch anything. Um, Wait, is your dad Tom Cruise? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He's that. I think my dad's shorter. Um, but so uh, at one time, so there was this. There's this woman, Tessa, her um, tennis coach, that she was always taking naps with. Mm -hmm. And I'm queer. That's I know what's. I know. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, no, 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 yeah. She's at Tessa's house. They're like, after the, you know, she they had their lesson. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. You need to and nap. And one time I was. Um, because I would still, she had all the makeup and it's on you. And I would, yeah, I would take it. So, um, so I was going, I like, it was like 12 o'clock uh, after their lesson. And the, her like bedroom door was locked. Um, and, and then I was like, Lilia? Oh my God. I even said her name. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Lilia. <laughs> and she opened the door and she was all like, oh, sorry, I was just taking a nap. <laughs> and I was like, I know what's happening here. Now. I'm not going to say anything because it's Texas and my dad's Mexican and I know because mm -hmm. he don't know. Well, he knows I'm queer now. He reads it. But like, I didn't tell him. Um, but then I was like, oh, I hate her. I'm going to write a play about it. So I did. <laughs> I did. And it was like the play that opened every door. Wow. Every, this door. That's what like, I read. That's it's what the I read, play yeah. that 
it had gotten done once in New York and it had a great production. Roberta Colindres was now in my in, in Vida is it was in it and it was great, but one production. But it was that, and I think I told um, my Uta like this this story, <laughs> and he was like, but it was better when I told it. And I think uh -huh. I probably ordered wine too, you know, yeah. like I was like, you know, and so and he was like, tell that story, and it worked, and we sold it to HBO, and and then I got a job. In, in Devious Maze, and I don't even know if I'd read the script. <laughs> like when I met with Sabrina, yeah. I didn't know it was a real meeting. I was just like, da -ka -da -ka -da, my desk mystery, da -ka -da -ka -da. here's a job. <laughs> you know, basically, yeah. it was like that. I mean, Devious we, I Maze, met, TV show. Uh -huh. Yeah. With, yeah. With, well, I was like so pregnant. Yeah, she didn't start off with, you didn't start no, off. I, I was at the meeting. <gasps> you were at the meeting, I was and at then the meeting. for however long you I don't were know not. if they ever read it, I think they just took it on faith. That That's crazy. It was brilliant. Wait, wait, wait. Can we just talk about yeah. that? <laughs> it wasn't just a normal staff writing job, was it? Because mm. you were no. you came on as something called Oh, I didn't know that. The diversity. Oh, writer. but did I know oh, that? The diversity I did not know that. Hire. Yeah. I, the first hour I'm there and they're gonna give us our offices. So I wasn't there. So no. I was there for mm. the for you the meeting. And then I had my baby. And then I went and had and my baby. And then you were not there, and for, I wasn't a couple months. there for a couple months. For a couple months. So the first couple months, which are as a staff writer, then yeah. did I actually, I'd never seen Final Draft. I didn't know what pitching was. I didn't know what the whole culture yeah, of, right. I, there was no writing to a writer's room. You just talked. And I was like, where's the writing part? You know? <laughs> right. But like, it, but the first hour they're giving us and one of our coworkers turns around and just, I don't know why. And we talked about it. So we're good now. Um, we're totally good. Um, but he goes, you do know you're the diversity hire, right? And I was like, what's that? And he's like, oh, honey. <laughs> and that oh, honey was like, so I called my Uta and I was like, Uta, is them. <laughs> What's a diversity hire? And he was like, Oh, I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want. What do you? What, 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 am I hired on the? Am I auditioning for the show? Like, it's very confusing, yeah. you know. It's a weird. Because it has yeah. the word hire, and you're like, Am I still mm -hmm. being? It was weird. And he was like, I didn't want it to get in your head. Wait, why should it get in my head? Because you don't cost the show anything. And that he should have never told. I mean, yes, I'm glad he told me because I needed to know. But it mm -hmm. was then I, I felt devalued the whole time. That's why I didn't speak up, because it was like, so what? What is that? So yeah, and I felt it, you know, like yeah. um, yeah, that somebody gave a speech about um, uh, in the room, and you weren't there yet, maybe, that how diversity hires, I'm sitting right there, <laughs> are coming in and taking poor this like young white guys that are so talented jobs. Oh, I went out there. You were, and I was, yeah. and I was like, just like, um, Ayojito Remy, you know, like anime eyes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just sitting there because I would go to cry in the bathroom all the time, you know? And he, they were giving the speech about how like, we're basically coming yeah. to ruin the business. And I'm sitting right there without a thought. And I was like, so this is what I'm, Hollywood's horrible. I wanted to leave. By the time she came, I was like, I want to, I want to leave every day. Hey, listen. I mean, who's going to hire all those white guys? I, I mean, know. where are they going to? You guys, how I've are heard they going to? The it's really work. This is what it's this a is feeling, the, well, not well, a fact. This is a, th this is a thing that every year I tweet about this because yeah. every year, friends of mine, yes, mine too, people I love that are on my side are like, it's just, it's a rough year for white guys. Rough I year hear for it white guys. every yeah. year, and I'm like. This is when when you're saying it. What is the other? What are <laughs> right. the other? I know. I know. Yeah. A friend of mine was like, "Crazy we have families." 
like, <laughs> that, that was like his like, and he was like a number two that he was saying, and the kindest guy. Yeah. And I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. It's, just, it's also just it's a not feeling. true. It's a feeling. It's and a, and it's, it's like this country's doing that, like mm-hmm. going by feeling, not facts, you know? But like these Annenberg um, yes, um, uh, statistics they came out. Thank God for research. Three percent of all facts. producing credits yeah. in yep. Hollywood go to Latinx yeah. creatives. Yeah. Of that three percent, <laughs> are we the three percent? No, I think mean, just yeah, you two. <laughs> two Steve, that, yeah. Steve's canals. Steve's canals. You guys. Steven and that's it. Roberto, um, yeah, yeah. It gets worse. Of that three percent, seventy-eight percent are men. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. 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 You guys are taking everyone's jobs. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's enraging. I love how we sound drunk, but we're just being Latina and Latina. Because she was like, you got real. I know, I know. Oh, we're just getting started. Oh, but it, it's enraging. So you guys met uh, in that room. You yeah. became friends. Then I came. Yeah, then you had a friend, finally. Yeah. Um, and you guys obviously clicked right yeah. away. Um, there were some things. Yeah, there were things. There were things like cultural things. Yeah. I want, because all my friends in Chicago were super politicized, super woke, like, yeah. but, and I wanted her to be like, she was Latina. Yeah. And she yeah. was like, what are you talking about? And I was well, like, well, I was, we also met in such different, yeah. yeah. I was also real broken from having yeah. been the only woman and the only Latina. Actually, Thankfully, by then I had been with other women. Thank God. Um, but I'd Me never too. been with other with another. <laughs> I had never. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say. I was waiting for way. someone to tell say the joke in a different way. Yeah. Uh, but never had I been with another Latina in the room. So I there were jokes and things that I was a part of that I had been a part of to get your. It's to get through the day. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'll laugh at this, and then we're gonna move on. When I retell the story, I know that. Gloria. Yes, I like, know. And I, I know, know what you're talking I know, about. I know, but, it, but we, we've been also yes, for yes, years yes. Like dealing with this because, yes, yeah, yes, do you yes, want to tell? Yes. You, you, you said it. it already. I know, I already talked about it. To the fucking thing. Tell me. <laughs> we, we, they, we were called Spick and Span. Um, but wait, tell the whole thing. So one day, I come back from the bathroom. I think I had been crying uh, about something. <laughs> come back from the bathroom, and the joke had developed. Yes. Not by you, but like, the room had like developed the joke, and you were like, "Yeah, yeah, it's picking fat." Before yeah, yeah, yeah. you came, yeah, yeah, and so and wait and before before yeah, really? and then you told it to me, and I was like, "What? No, <laughs> I didn't understand it." You yeah, know? and then the show ran. I don't came. remember how it started, yeah. so I'm and glad I you have do, that memory. I remember you it. remember how it started because well, I wrote it yeah. in my diary. diary. No, I can't. Yeah, no, diary. it was just like a thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did write a play about that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah call fade. And that was like a good like oh there. Got it out of your system. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. But but then, then yeah. then he came. So and, I yeah, would, I made jokes. I am speak. I am fa- ha, ha. okay. <laughs> let's go. Let's move on. Um and, and you she, said you oh come on Tanya yeah so, Tanya, you, I, can fine, I can be speak. You can be speak. You can be speak. I can be speak. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not gonna be That's that. Right. And then the showrunner said you know oh you're never gonna make it without a sense of humor in Hollywood, and I was like. This it was so horrible. I'm yeah. like, God, I'm reliving it right no, now. Yeah, yeah. But it, yeah. but it was, Common and I was experience. like, yeah. we did get into it downstairs because I did. was like, why did you coon for him? I did. Mm. I was like, why did yeah, you, yeah, get, yeah. why did you no, do no. that? And he was like, Tanya, I, and you, you I had, had some harrowing experiences. Yeah, this I was said like this is not. We're not going to change the writers' room at yeah. that point. I'm or like, something? we're not going to change comedies. We're not changing anybody's mind. We've just we got to take it and move on. And that is what I said. I was like, yeah, yeah. 
And I said, and one day we're going to be the boss and we won't have to deal with it anymore. And then you were the boss. I was like, leaving to Chicago. After this, I was like, yeah. Fuck this. I'm going back to the theater. This is horrible. I will continue to be a voiceover, which is how I was making a living. You know? <laughs> before, yeah. Before. No, but yeah. the, it did actually happen where you went from the person at that the end of the table yeah. taking the shit, yeah. you know, writing your screenplay, your your episode, having the showrunner fuck it up for you, telling you, you know, like what the Latin voice should be like. Ooh, right. um, and then and you were in charge. Yeah. yeah. Which is well, and what's better. So interesting is, <laughs> yes, is, yeah, way what's better. so interesting is since the telling of this story, so since then I have a I've apologized yes. because I was Oh, we've for, talked about we've it. We've talked yeah. about it. But for me, the sur- I was only I was the only one having to survive by myself. Yeah. And as the senior writer, my job needed to be to protect the new person, mm-hmm. which I wasn't doing because I was so you're doing it so many other with, ways. Though. I was yeah. also mm-hmm. so sleep deprived with my having yeah. a baby. <laughs> but baby, I had a, I had just had a baby and should not have been back at work that early. Can I? But, sorry, sorry. Wait, no. wait. The, 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 oh, they the made pump. her. Um, they made her. Go and say pump, yeah. pump in the room. They wouldn't let her go. I, yeah. This is real. It was this crazy. Real. Anyway, but. we're all good with those. All yeah, those people yeah, now too. But but what's interesting is I'm all good with all those people in that room. But. Since then, I've gotten emails and uh, oh, right. nasty emails from people right. because I talked about like the broken, like mm-hmm. the broken stuff and difficulties I had in other rooms. And there were former employers that wanted to prove they were not toxic men by sending me a very toxic yeah. um, email yeah. about how I should keep my mouth shut. Ooh. Oh, that's nice. I hope you save those emails. I got them. Just in case. I got them. <laughs> they continue. Like it, but like it's the trauma un- continues unreal. because, you know. Unreal. Keep your mouth shut. I love so much about the two of you, but one of the things that I really love is that when it came time for you to be the boss, you essentially transformed the room and, and made it the exact opposite of the experiences that, that you've had. Tell, tell me about how you constructed your own writing room. did it first. Gloria. Well, I was very, so Mike Royce was already attached to the project and he is, him and Norman Lear are both like mm-hmm. such examples of white male allies. Like yeah. really Mike was, I think Mike said he was in a room with Brent, um, Norman's um, associate. And the three of them are white guys, and they were like, oh, this is not, this, yeah. this doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and so I met with Norman, and over the course of that hour, we fell madly in love, mm-hmm. and, and he's so disarming and I, charming. I mean, he started it all. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like really, you were studying him at the Bailey. I was yeah. literally him studying yes. him, and there you are now. Yes, yeah, I mean, I, the first 30 minutes, I could not tell you what happened, because I was so like, what's happening? He's just a fucking legend. It, a yeah. legend, and there's pictures of him with all the presidents, and you're like, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> um, and then he is so lovely and so disarming, and I remember in that meeting, I was like, I, I don't know that you should do this. Mm. And he was like, what? I said, because people try all the time, and it's really hard. We're really hard. We're like 19 countries under this umbrella of Latinidad, and people try to do it, and then they mess with it, and then we can tell, and so we're, we're mad about it, and there's such a starvation that everybody wants it to be 100% them, which is right. impossible, and yeah. it's just, it's, uh, you can't do it. And he said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, I would want to make it as specific as possible to my mm-hmm. experience, so at least I could defend it. At least That's I could right. say, this ain't all Latinos, but this is how I go to sleep and how I right. feel. And he was like, all right, well, let's do that. That specificity is the key to actually the making key, an impact. The key, and so yeah. he and then Mike were were so open and so wonderful. So I was, st- I mean, it's it was still shell shock every step of the way. I would be like, 
you guys, I can't be the only Latina in this room. It needs to be, we need to have a lot. Great. <clears throat> I was like, what? <laughs> like you're just, every step I, when I'd ask, they'd say yes. The opposite of all your other the experiences. It was yeah. ju not the opposite of all. I, I was in right. some great rooms too. I was in some very great and supportive rooms. So don't email me, man. <laughs> some of the rooms Keep were great. Shut. I'm not talking about you. Um, you know who you are. You, oh, they know who they are. They know who they are. Um, but, uh, but this was, a, so it was, the. The conversation for me had to be, for me, it always came back to I Love Lucy because, you know, Fabiana Rodriguez is an incredible activist. She has a YouTube mm -hmm. thing that you guys should all watch that talks about uh, culture, which is what we make. We're culture creators. And she talks about culture and how it relates to policy and how that policy relates to change, to actual change. And she says it takes about 10 years for culture to affect law. And she goes back and does this whole She's wonderful amazing. study on Will and Grace and Ellen coming out and how that led to marriage equality for our LGBTQ um, brothers, sisters, and, right. and non-binary folks. So I went home from this talk that Faviana had done and I thought about like what was happening in the United States 10 years prior to my parents coming here in 1962. And in 1952, the number one show in America was I Love Lucy. Mm. So it was like, oh, I'm literally sitting here because Desi Arnaz was on TV. Because people at home were like, oh, Cubans, they're fine. Yeah. So I have to be part of a narrative that shifts, that changes that, that tells who I know us to be. Not every, like everything you see on TV is really drug dealers and gangbangers and people trying to murder you or kill you so that when you hear, oh, drug dealers and murderers are coming here. Boy, of course, if you've never met a Latino, you're like, oh my God, protect our family. Because that's the only story that they know. Which by the way is why the 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 biggest sort of um, anti-immigrant sentiment, and, and particularly anti-Latino sentiment, uh, occurs in sort of the northern and midwestern states where there aren't that many Latinos. Right. Do you know you what I mean? Like if TV. you're in the southern states, you're like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, that's, right. It's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you don't know anyone, you don't then know you just anybody, you're hear, just afraid. Exactly. The story you're hearing is a is a scary story. Mm -hmm. So when I was like, I need to talk to those people. I need to talk to those people. So Mike was like, okay, great. Let's get, let's get a room where we can have real conversation. So we knew we wanted Elena to come out. We wanted queer representation. We wanted Latinx representation, not just Cuban, but other Latinos as well. Mm -hmm. So we had- Demanded that Rita Moreno would be involved. <laughs> She's a national treasure. She really is. Whatever, yeah. No, I mean, I just said like, my dream would be Rita Moreno. And yeah, they was like, like, oh, I'll call her. And you're like, oh, of course. Got, I'll just text her right now. <laughs> yeah, he's Willy Wonka. Um, <laughs> God, I'd love for Gloria Stefan to do this. Oh, let's just, let's yeah, just, Gloria. No Gloria. Hi, Gloria. Norman. What? Uh, so, so yeah, so that's, that's what it became. Yeah. That's what it became. And then it was great because our room is really, is, is also age, our ages would, were 25 to, you know, 95 when Norman was there. But we have, we have some 50 year old white guys in the room that I make laugh when I say something in Spanish and they don't know what I'm saying. But if they're laughing, they get the gist and it goes in because that's what I'm trying to reach to. So right. it was a great, it was just a great um, mix of things. And it was great to have these conversations where the Latinos would all say something and some of the white people would be like, what? It's like, no, 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 this is a really important thing. It's funny, thing. Just, just let it go, it's funny. You, right? you yeah. have to trust that it's funny. <laughs> and it was like, God, I would feel those moments because I'm like, this would be the moment in the room where I would say something and there'd be nobody to back me up and they'd move on and not change it. And here I'm seeing that shift happen and, and 
change happen and people learning and it's all happening in this microcosm. That's and amazing. It, it was unbelievable. So same with with Vita. Yeah. You you had the opportunity. This is a show that Stars actually brought to you. Yes. Which doesn't happen, by the doesn't way. Does this happen, Tanya? It doesn't. I know I that gotta, you know what? Like, I just got to do this more. Yeah. Just so you know, know that doesn't <laughs> often happen. Yeah. Well, I, I always talk about and we um, we have a drinking game. Every time I mention Marta Fernandez, <laughs> we drink. Oh, okay. Well. Um, um, she Martha. changed my life because she she was the one who called me in, who had like paid attention mm -hmm. and called me in three years in. So I'd only been here three years. And um, she she said, have you heard of gentrification? And I was like, wait, no. Have you heard of chipsters? Well, yes, Chicano hipsters, but what's gentrification? And we like unpacked it at that meeting and there was a show. And I was like, I... I I would love to uh, interview for that show if you're staffing it. He was like, no, 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 no. I brought you in here no. to write it, it's to your show, show. it. And I was like, but seriously, three years in, this doesn't happen, right? So like, I called the Uta and I was like, wait, <laughs> is this real? It's real. So do you want to do Yes, I want to do it. So, so, that, so it happened and because her last name ends with a Z, Fernandez, I think that was the key to everything. To, um, I wanted to build something like Teatro Luna that had been so... Like all Latina, well, all Latina, but like, and never does she say no to, and I didn't have a gorilla. Like what they told me, like they call mm -hmm. gorillas. Like yep. I, saw, I, I just, it was just me. They never gave me a babysitter. I think because of her. Um, I don't, I, I'm, I'm so glad I could have blown up the place, but I, I like, she just kept having faith in who knows what battles she was fighting behind the scenes that I don't mm -hmm. know about. Cause that's, I feel like that's the real hero yeah, yeah. Uh, till the thing went. They, they had six Latinx uh, projects, then four, then two, then it was us. And it was like, how <laughs> did we beat out Antonio Banderas? Like, this is crazy, you know? Um, it, 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 so, so, and then it happened and then they let me build it exactly how I wanted. But, but every little battle wasn't a battle. Every little like f feat makes it what it is like my dp i wanted a latina because who understands colonization you know like another latina especially an afro latina so like it was like i didn't want us to look because usually we're whitewashed or uh we're like super brown faced by like saturated you know especially when we're in the hood they saturate us with the like you know the way they color <laughs> color the show i wanted us to look like us uh, with all of the colonization that we got and so but there was this Latina um, DP and she'd only done a second unit for Narcos. But it was because Marta was like, let's take, we took, we took a chance on Tanya, let's take a chance. Like all throughout we had that, you know? Yeah. Same thing with my writers and it's the same thing with uh, all Latinx directors. Um, this last season was all Latina. Um, and I think it, I don't know, it was because I really give her a lot of credit that it wouldn't have happened um, it hadn't happened, you know, I'd sold stuff. It's somewhere. having champions. It's, it's having, having that champions. champion, because God, the fights that they have I to know. fight in there, I don't even know but about. Isn't this remarkable that you, what you're describing is so unusual and so much the exception to the rule, but fundamentally what you're saying is, hey, why don't we have the people <laughs> who write this show Be the people represent the people the show's about. Right. Like, I know it's crazy, it's right? No, I mean, weird. Such a novel idea. But let's, maybe that's yeah. what we do? Right. Yeah. Um, that's just, this is a, a crazy business. It's crazy.
Hey there everyone, it's Reza. I'm sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to pop in and say that if you're enjoying this episode, well then, you're in luck my friends, because Rough Draft is also a TV show. And you can watch it all right now, along with topics, other original series, and exclusive programming from around the world. You can check it out for free on the Apple TV app, which is already on your favorite devices. With Apple TV, you can watch Topic at home or on the go with offline viewing, and you can even share your subscription with up to six family members with family sharing, which is what I do because I have a gigantic family. Go to apple.co slash topic to start your seven-day free trial now. That's apple.co slash topic. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Let's talk about craft for a minute. Um, you both started in uh, playwriting, as mm-hmm. we talked about. And I think people would probably assume that playwriting and script writing are, are so much alike that, you know, you can just kind of go from one to the other. But that's not really true. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they re- they're different crafts. They require different talents. So much of a theater performance um, and the script for a theater performance has to be cognizant of the rhythm of the words, the movement on stage. Whereas TV is all about starting and stopping and starting and stopping and starting and stopping. Um, But I am curious, sort of, what parts of the craft of playwriting um, did you bring into your career uh, as TV writers? Well, multicam is still very much like playwriting. That's a good point, yeah. So, I mean, especially on One Day at a Time, we have... 15 page scenes, 17 page scenes. Mm -hmm. And we also have beasts like Justina and Rita who can do it in one. We don't have to cut. They do that whole Mm -hmm. 17 page scene. Right. So, uh, in that. So you bring a lot of that. Yeah, you bring a lot of that into it. Oh, yes. It's, it's fourth wall. It's, it's a proscenium. We are mostly in an apartment set. Mm-hmm. It is so play-like uh, yeah. one day at a time. Watch it, because I've watched taping. It is like going to see a play. And then you forget when they cut, because it's been 17 pages. Yes. You're like, oh, yeah. And Justina is oh, a beast. Like she's... But of course, you're, you're doing a single cam. Yes. It's a little bit different. So I'm still, you look, I crash landed into this. And I, I remember um, Vic, used to, I used to turn in scenes, devious. And I used to turn like six-page scenes. Um, that I thought were much shorter because I have like 52 page scenes in my place, you know, like really. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Each page is a hundred thousand dollars. Do you think this is worth a hundred? Like I remember he did that whole thing, and I was like, "I don't the brevity. Like I didn't know how to, especially for for that. I didn't know how to make it smaller for forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Directors still call my um, some of my scenes one act plays. So it was like, "All oh, right, the one act play. It's six, you know, it's six pages still. I'm still having trouble." I don't know how, I, like, and people, I, I, I You're not, talking. it's great. No, no, The show's great. I think it's prayer and brujeria that's getting me through because <laughs> I, um, and I talk about this with, with people, like, I don't know how to describe my process um, in TV, especially because, like I said, I feel like I just crash landed and then 
three years ago, I got handed the show and then we're just doing it. And yeah, it's You're working. You're just making it up as you go along. It do but obviously I'm not because I, I'm carrying, like I'm dragging theater, you know, uh, that craft. And obviously I've picked up stuff, but I don't, I wouldn't know how to describe to doing it, you know? It, Do you think that's where the success comes from and sort of the, the unique tone of Vita? Is know. it from this experience of, well, first not knowing what you're doing? I mean, is that, yeah, is that I mean, really it, what it, it is? It really do, it do, does feel like that. And my, I got writers here and sometimes I do, like, um, I do not note them in uh, email or I just note them in Marco Polo. And sometimes I, they'll tell you, I will do it. I'll be like, I want her to be like, <laughs> yeah, Taylor just got <laughs> But like that, and I don't know what that, like, I don't know how to, uh, it, it's not helpful sometimes mm -hmm. as a showrunner not being able to, to say, this is what I want, you yeah. know? So like, but that's a skill set you're still developing. I'm st I, that's, that's the thing. Because I'm still it's new. I've it's, been you here know, six years, so like. And I think there is, like, because I was in a lot of rooms, some were great. Do you love how I have to do that? Some were not great. Check to the camera. Some were not great. And the not greats were kind of better instructors of what to and not to do in terms of when case. I was agreed. Yeah. agreed. You all know, I would case. say yeah. often, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm not yep. doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, you know, I was on shows where we were there till two in the morning. It did not reflect in the material. <laughs> uh, and then I was on shows where we were done at six and got to go home because they were like, go live your lives because then come back in with stories. Right. And that's the room I wanted to have. I also. I'm a mother of two children. I like my husband. I want to go home and be with them and then be at work and enjoy that. So it was very important to me that we were done at a decent time, that I have my weekends where I am focused on my family. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, you're mostly, I mean, I think we ordered dinner once mm. and I don't work weekends. Like, I'm a barren spinster. I don't have kids, just cats. <laughs> but I still want my writers to go home at four. Right. Um, if, if there's something that happens after... Like five, six. So just like, but sometimes yeah. it's stuff that we have to figure out what? anyway. Yes, yes. And, I need a and lot it's kind of nice to go away and like yeah. sit with it, and then come in the next day with a plan. And yeah. sometimes these men would just watch, make us watch them go through the process of not knowing what to do next. And you know, we're on their time. Uh, and mm -hmm. so it was. It was really interesting. I'm working on a show right now where I'm working for someone else for the first time and since I've been a showrunner. And I'm so delighted that it's a delight. This guy like wants to go home, mm -hmm. he knows what he wants. And I was like, oh, maybe I could work for somebody else again. Like, <laughs> because I just didn't experience that a fair I think amount. about that all the time. They're out yeah. there, okay. they're out there. Because I'm always like, what am I going to Starbucks? They're out there. Like, what am I going to watch next? <laughs> the other, the other um, element of the craft that I think is key to both of your work uh, particularly on One Day at a Time and, and in Vita, is place, setting, yeah. right? I mean, Echo Park for, mm -hmm. for you, Boyle Heights for yeah. you. How aware are you um, when you are in the room writing these scripts of uh, making sure that it's grounded in a very specific place? And what, what role does that place have in, in the way that the, well, the story is? Well, I got, I got, got, listen, yeah, I got listen. dragged because I'm not from Boyle Heights. Dragged and roasted. And I understand it. Um, I, uh, there, there's a, a battle going on in the East Side right now for its soul. There's something that happens with, um, like, I'm not, I'm a Latina, I'm, I, but I'm not from Boyle Heights. And, um, and we were, the subject matter is, 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 you know, 
it's delicate because it's, it's it's happening right now and people are fighting for their lives. They are being erased. They are being displaced. Um, and um, they came for me the first, you know, when we were shooting the pilot presentation, they um, protested. They called me coconut. Um, you know what coconut is? Brown, yeah, brown on the outside, white on the inside, yeah. Uh, vendida, sellout and stuff. And the thing is that I, I get the reaction to be like Hollywood trucks doing a show about them without them like I get it you know so so that was really but but in the room there was always someone from from the area you know uh, that could represent that could advocate for it mm -hmm. um that could teach me because like just because I, I go now doesn't mean I didn't grow up there I didn't so so you know that was really important also half our uh, um our leading cast is is um from the area so I but but yeah I I, I really got it um but we put it in the show you know, because they call, I never heard the term Waitina till I got called Waitina, you know? <laughs> and the day they were calling me that, um, Marta was on set and I was like, can I just put it in? Is that like a legal thing? No, yeah, put it in. <laughs> like, so I like, nobody is TM that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I whispered, I whispered it to Chelsea who plays La Chinchu, who plays the activist, you know? And I was like, say Waitina. She was like, what? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, say Waitina. And now it's like a thing. It's even a song. Yeah. But it's so interesting because season one of One Day at a Time, the only Latinos that got mad at me were Cubans. Like Cubans, yeah. Because how dare I not cast two Cubans as the lead Cuban, mm -hmm. even though Justina Machado is half Cuban. Yeah. Uh, there, there the, there's still such a starvation for representation that when it finally exists, everybody wants it to be exactly who they are, of course. Yeah. But they don't understand the... 50,000 fights we're fighting right. to get through, and yeah. we're the only two doing comedy that are Latinas. Comedy. Right? <laughs> it's funny. You're it's so funny. What Whatever. They cable love more your stuff comedy. tonight than my yeah. stuff. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Hilarious. You, yours is like, haha. Mine's like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is like that, you know? It's not. Do you guys ever worry? I wonder, do you ever worry about unintentionally falling into certain stereotypes? Yes. I mean, yes, all the time. I, I'm always like watchdog of that. It was like, but I, I have an all Latinx room that, that keeps me, right. you know, che keeps you in check, uh, keeps you uh -huh. in check, yeah, and right. they don't always agree with me, and that's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> somebody, I that was Jennifer mm. laughing, but it, it, but it, but it's important because um, I can accept um, some things uh, that I, you know, whatever. But I'm, I'm glad that I have watchdogs, you know, when yeah. it comes to that. It's important. That's what, I yeah. feel like in future shows, that might be the thing. Because Penelope is really a version of me, mm -hmm. I don't feel that. Mm -hmm. I feel sure. like all I have to do is be Yourself, true yeah, to yeah, right. what I think and what I feel about something. And if I can stand by that, then that's all I have to do mm -hmm. for this show. But I think it's show dependent. I mean, Tanya's show's not based on her. No. But every character, like oh yeah, there's stuff about of course, and and of course, and of course, of course, yeah. yeah, of course. You know, we we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I I want to kind of come back to it and maybe dig in just a little bit. Um, we talked earlier about the importance of you know representation, obviously, the importance of owning your own story, and then we also from the experience of watching Norman Lear shows, right? We we understand, I think, viscerally the power that the storyteller has um, to change culture, 
to change people's minds. Um, you brought up sort of the, the classic example of, of the way in which uh, opinions in, the, in this country changed about LGBTQ um, because we just started seeing them on TV all the time and they were just kind of normal and they were drinking Starbucks and you were like, well, I like Starbucks too. I guess it's okay. Um, same thing, of course, with African-Americans, right? A huge uh, role that TV played in um, just sort of uh, de-exotifying mm -hmm. African-Americans in, in this mm -hmm. country. Um, and so, you know, what I, what I do know that the three of us have in common with each other because we do this kind of work is that we understand the responsibility that we have. We understand the pressure that's on us. We understand the power that we have, right? Stories can change the way that people see the world. But we're in a really shitty time right now, right? Uh, I, I love this notion that, well, you know, what we'll do is we'll, we'll create these shows in which Latinx characters are seen as, you know, struggling with the same struggles that every American is struggling with, just being sort of their, their normal selves. Um, and then if Americans see that, then they'll, they'll, look, they'll look at us differently, right? They'll understand us differently. And I think in a normal time that works. We're not in a normal time. We're at a time right now where, you know, the president himself is a white nationalist terror leader, right? Who's literally encouraging white nationalist terrorists to go hunting brown people. And it's like, and they are. Me, and they are. And so part of me as an artist, as a creative, as somebody who's spent his entire life believing that there is no more powerful weapon than stories, right? Particularly pop culture. Uh, I, I can't help but feel a little bit discouraged. Like, how, what story can I tell that combats that? Um, do you feel the pressure of this moment? Does it, does it depress you the way it depresses me? Or does it, does it galvanize you? I, what, what's going on through your mind when you're in a room and you're writing a story about a Latina a single mom struggling to make ends meet, uh, young Latinas figuring out their identity and, and, their, and their place uh, in, in the country, when CNN is in the background, right? And it's open season on people who look like you. It, are stories enough? I mean, is there another way? What do we do? That's a great question. I feel like we have, I mean, for me, it's like the heaviness of that, I think about that every day. I think about that every day too because I'm really close to my family. My parents are at my house every day. Like we're like real old school Latino. My parents are <laughs> at my house every day for dinner. Right. Um, and when they're not, it's weird. Mm -hmm. uh, I carry the sacrifice of my grandparents who blindly sent their children to America crossing their fingers and praying that there were gonna be people on the other side that were kind, and there were. Uh, so I really feel every day the privilege of being able to have been educated and to be in this position of power where I can tell story. It's all I can do. At the, it feels like it's all I can do, and trying to teach other people that they can do it too, trying to uh, elevate other people of color to tell their story and to tell their truth and trying to find ways to mentor and advocate for them 
so that they will, so that it's not just the two of us standing up here, that it's a lot of other people behind us, mm -hmm. that there will be, mm -hmm. you know, the thousands and thousands behind us. I think that if I sit and think in, the days that I sit in that are days that I'm crippled. And so I think the thing that I have to do is to just get to work. Yeah. Is to just get to work. And it's work. It's six things in development. It's, it's you know, doing mentoring. On, I, have a, I have a YouTube uh, Hollywood 101 series that I started for, for young writers. Oh, this that's is so true. Smart. It's free. It's free. I went on. I went on YouTube and I said, "This masterclass thing, people have to pay. A lot of people in my community cannot afford it. Mm -hmm. So education. Who's going to go to the Paley Center? Who's going to go to the Paley yes. Center? Right? Like you're their personal you're their Paley, Paley Center. Center. Oh God, I would. <laughs> that would be awesome. So yeah, better like I was like, if anybody will pay for it, I, I will show like. up. I'll show up and I'll say everything I know, which ain't much, but it's something. Mm -hmm. And Better Light came came forward and they and we shot for two days and it's like thirteen it's episodes. It's free. It's free. So. We're doing everything, you know, we're talking and we're trying to do advocacy where we can find advocacy and trying to speak when we can speak. But that feels like, and we are seeing movement with that. We are seeing some change with that. We are seeing kids, you know, both of our shows are also brown and queer. Mm. So there's not a, an event that I go to for one day at a time where there's not at least one mother daughter that come up to me and cry and thank you so much for... I, I'm not so afraid that my daughter is queer anymore. And they're like hugging me and saying, you know, like that's next level. That's not just making somebody laugh after they get home from working their hard day. That's making somebody feel like my kid's gonna be safe, right. maybe because of something that you put out there. And I appreciate that. Yeah. That hits me on a level I can't even, as a mom of two young children who I want to grow up to be whoever they are, it's, and all these children that, my God, I don't even, I can't even imagine what's going to be happening to them, these, these children that are in these concentration camps, uh, what's going to happen to them as, as they age. But we need, to, we need to shift the narrative. It's the only way that mm -hmm. I know that can work. Tanya, I know this conversation is a little bit of a minefield for you. I mean, uh, it's not a secret. You're not a citizen yet. You're trying to be a citizen. And I know that there's things that you can and cannot talk about. But in general, I mean, obviously you can't ignore what's happening right now. No. What, what does it do to you when you're, when you're in a room trying to create these stories? Well, what does it do to you as someone who feels otherized in this way every day to be told that you are this hated thing? Because now it's proven. People are taking guns to us. People are calling us rapists. They're calling us, um, uh, it's just, it, I, do, I get, I lose hope. So I don't, I mean, we do, we do the challenge when we come out of that um, uh, downturn, you know, but it, it, I, I lose hope sometimes. It's, so, it, it's so horrible, a place where we're at. And then the fact, my relation to it, I'm, I'm, you know, I got skin in the game. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have anything smart to say, just that sometimes it really, and I can't turn yeah. off. CNN, MSNBC, I'm watching it and I'm being, it's, it's just like a, a trauma that sets in, you know? Um, and in my writer's room where we all have skin in the game, it, it, sometimes we can't process. We yeah. just have to talk about it sometimes or, or just with friends, you know? I, I don't know. I, I don't have anything smart to say because it's so real and it's so active and it's so now. Um, and even if we raise a little money with our thing, even if 
I get another show and, and cast it. It doesn't solve the problem. So I don't, um, I don't have mm -hmm. anything smart to say about it. I just, I'm all feelings about it. Do you ever, I wonder, do you ever think of what you're doing um, in the historical context of pop culture? Like, do you ever, even in these darkest, darkest times, think to yourself, yeah, but I saw what Will and Grace did. Yeah, but... I saw what the Cosby show did. I mean, excluding the, the raping and yeah. stuff. Um, uh, except for that. Yeah, except for the, yeah. the whole raping thing. Um, do, you ever, do you ever put yourself in that current and think to yourself, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can do something. Maybe it's not going to happen right now, but maybe 10 years from now, people will say, you know, what right Vida now, though, did. academics are already studying Vida. Right now, academics are already. I, that, yes. So, so the the biggest thing we can do is change perception, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what culture is, right? That's it. And perception changes. Um, hearts and minds. Yeah, yes. hearts and mm -hmm. Well, that's the whole. Uh, yes, but it takes it's. It takes a long. It of takes time. a long time, and then we are living through this now. So uh, sometimes in conversation, or like when Fabiana, who we can speaking about, like Fabiana came and sort of like synthesized it all for us. Um, yes, I'm like I think Vida will have um, an effect, maybe, and we will see it in ten years or so. Mm -hmm. But right now, it feels it just feels uh, like we're, it's, yeah, it's it. too long a wait, you know. And and like you said, uh, so many people are. Are going to be traumatized and affected because mm -hmm. because of this moment and and um and you said something like how uh, um we can't fight this story the story that they're telling is really powerful and i don't know how many like we just need a lot of stories to combat yeah. it i don't think because to, to Two a lot and, and and movies look where are we where, where are we in movies nowhere, you know nowhere. but i i do think that um the media has um uh, has a, a big chance to change not just yeah. us like influencer like all of us so it's like it needs to be like swell we are legion like we need mm -hmm. to like rise you know uh it, because it's a big um powerful amplified story that is being told against us you know so i i think that's the thing five latinx shows on television can't, like they're not make they're not um having the mm -hmm. effect you know we need to have it, it just like humanizes i think i i feel that's what I feel sometimes is like, why aren't we human to you? Like, why, why is it okay to take a gun to us? You know, We're like, why are we less than? I, 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 and let, I, let's just be clear for a minute. I mean, yes, this is a particularly uh, despicable moment right now yeah. um, in the way in which um, Latinx communities across this country are being demonized um, and in which they're being scapegoated for whatever fears and anxieties uh, have gripped, you know, par large parts of this nation. That's true. But this ain't new. No. no. This I'm ain't Texas, new. Texas no. Rangers. I, do you know Texas Rangers? They've been taking us on. Like, I'm, Texas is its sure. own special place, <laughs> you know. And the Texas Rangers used to just, Minutemen, yep. now. You know, like, it's been happening to us. Yeah. In the, in the 1930s, years. mass yeah, deportations, almost Lynchings 2 million. Of us, um, there's a lynching, there's a, I wanted to do this play, but I didn't um, end up doing it. Josefa Segovia, a thousand men, July the 4th and 18, I don't know what, they lynched her as like, as you know, they were eating mm -hmm. snacks as they watched her lynch. But like we, we they've been, yes. And even though we've But I here. feel like we got to a place where at least people knew that it was embarrassing to be racist out loud. 
Right, well, yeah. Yes. Right? At least they yeah. knew, like, I want to say this, but I can't. So, yeah. and, I, and there was, I think, you know, there was this sort of feeling with Obama that, like, everything is healed and people kind of went into, like, their dark corners. And I preferred that because I do feel like we're not going to solve all of it, but the discussion of it and the normalizing of, like, now people can just outwardly be racist is a... <laughs> It's funny, I, I totally hear you. I kind of have a little bit of a different take on it because, you know, uh, when you're a minority in this country, like, you understand that racism is embedded in this country. It's, the, it's in the soil, right? I mean, it's, it is part of the founding of this entire yeah, right. country. And the Obama years allowed Cage, people to that's say... That's where it started. Yeah, that's where the, the Obama started. years, people were like, well, now... We've taken, taken care of racism, right. haven't we? Right. And Solved what I will racism. say is that what I appreciate about what's happening now is that ain't nobody saying that anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's so obvious and so out there that you can't pretend uh, that it doesn't exist anymore, that you have to confront it in one way or another. It's like people took off their masks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's better or worse, but at least we know. see. Yep. Oh, well, there you are. Well, yeah. what it does do, I think, is it allows for perhaps greater space for alternative narratives. That there is uh, now, I think, an understanding of that all that other story, the story that's about fear and anxiety and, and scapegoating, mm -hmm. and at the very least, you know, not a huge space, but a space is opened up for talented storytellers to tell a different story. Yes, you are 12% of 3%. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> but this kind of brings me to my, my final question, which is, what's next? I mean, here's, here's my thought is, I think, yes, it's important to have people in front of the camera that represent, you know, various Latino communities and all of its enormous and beautiful diversity. That's very important. Obviously, it's hugely important to have people behind the camera, in the writer's room, people writing those words, making sure that there's authenticity, that there's integrity, that these characters are three-dimensional. That's wonderful. That's where we are now, and it's huge, and we should all celebrate that. The gatekeepers are still white men. Yes, that's right. And the, the people tower. who run the networks are still white men. Yo, the people right. who run the studio are still white men, that's right. right? So is that the next step? Yes. Yes. If not, we're it, we're only gonna do this. Yeah. So we're st you know it's those people, those men in the towers, they gotta just come down. I mean, eventually they have <laughs> to come down. It's not gonna you know, but like because what what happens is that um, they don't they don't understand the world. So like when you what I mean by that is like when you are pitching your story you have to defend the world mm -hmm. and if they have no context except for um maria or aurora who is there you know that's all they have to you know uh, experience with latinidad it, it it's a problem you know so like they, it, it, that's that's what happens and also um they don't support that like let's say a lot of stuff gets developed right but it's this that support that not just producing it pushing it that's right yes. the, the pushing it, and that's because those guys don't understand the value of our world mm -hmm. you know so i feel like until that changes until the marta fernandez's are everywhere. abundant everywhere. you know everywhere and then yeah. higher right because yes. 
those, you know. Um, yeah. Well, because right now, like last year, this is an unscientific study, but last year, <laughs> roughly 11 content creators that we know that are Latino, mm -hmm. got Latino shows picked up. So they wrote their pilots of the, I don't know, 500 right. pilots mm -hmm. that got picked up, and none of those got picked up to yeah. shoot, right. to be in consideration for the that actual This is so common. Season. People need to understand this because what a lot of networks and studios do is because they want to feel better, it's like, mm -hmm. they just yeah. gobble up all mm -hmm. of this diverse material. Yep. Yeah. That's right. And they have no intention mm -hmm. of ever shooting, shooting any of this. But when they go to the board meetings, when they go we to have like the 11. variety panel, mm -hmm. also you know, they, and they all that release stuff. it on deadline and it mm -hmm. looks, it counts. It, exactly. As, oh immediately my God. announce and it, immediately announce it, get all this. Yeah. Great and it always press. looks like. We tried. Yeah, yeah I know. we try. We, we keep try. trying we with these to. people. We keep trying. It just wasn't good enough. <laughs> don't get and then there. you yeah. know, it's so sad because we counted. So like, we're like, God, did you see? Did you see yeah. that uh, there's a spinoff to Jane the Virgin? Oh my God! And they got a Latina to do. Oh my God! And then it's like, oh, what? You know? So yeah. it, we counted and we counted as a, a um, like a win. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then it's like it's fake. It's a big fight. It's a big, yeah. big battle. It's a big fight. And I, for one, am very glad that you two are on the right mm -hmm. side in this fight. Time for five questions. Okay, five questions. All right, uh, Gloria, yes. what's your favorite book? I thought about this. When I was a child, my favorite book was Anna Green Gables. Mm -hmm. But I will be honest in saying that I listen to books on tape when I drive now because I read so many scripts in life. So I want to say my favorite script. Okay. All right. Which is When Harry Met Sally. Aww. And the classic. reason it classic, but also perfect. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's so perfect. You have to read it. You have to read it. It's, ta it's taught in screenwriting courses. It yeah. is okay. perfect. It's perfect because it also shines a light on toxic masculinity and male and female relationships. Mm. And I think it shifted culture mm. in a time yes. that I was young and realized I could be friends with men and that they would be great allies to mm. me. I know that at the end of it they fall in love, but that's okay. But I, I just think it's so perfect the way the scenes are constructed, mm -hmm. the jo the inner jokes within the. I, I just think it's one of the most perfect mm -hmm. things, and it was also done with humor, which is my favorite mm -hmm. way of getting a point across. Tiny favorite book. Days of Awe by Achi Ovejas, a Cuban, who also um, ended up. I like up that in... I just get to take yeah. credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Cuban. Yeah. Uh, yes, she ended You're up in Indiana, in Indiana. Um, with with the whole the same the same way your parents ended up and stuff, but um, the, it's a book about her discovering her Sephardic Jewish roots, and it's just so gorgeous, and I I've never forgotten it. Um, Achi is also a dear friend; she became a dear friend later. But like that book was like, it. it I, I wish my stuff could do what that book did. You know, Gloria, what's your writing process? I will always make a music playlist for whatever I'm working Ooh. on. Always. Wait, is it a different music playlist every yes. time? Yeah, for whatever I'm is working on. Is that just on, so you don't have to it's write? Probably right. Is that just <laughs> it's procrastination? It's probably some level of procrastination, yeah. but I think it's also about setting mood. So I'll have a playlist, or sometimes I'll do. Sometimes if I'm in a, if I'm wanting to be quick, I'll choose a few artists and Spotify them, mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll always light candles. And I'll always turn my little, I have little twinkle lights in my office. So twinkle light, it's setting the mood. I have to romance myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little music, nice. it's a little candles. What about you, Tanya? What's your writing process? I, candles are also involved, but I, um, it's a little bit more involved. I, 
have to, I am a daughter of Oshun. That's why I'm wearing, today is her feast day. That's why I'm wearing yellow. Um, so I, uh, there's always a candle to Oshun going on. Um, I, that's the whole thing. So I sage and I um, put on the, the copal. I have these like long um, copal sticks. I pray. Copal is um, what the Mexicas um, burned. It's mm -hmm. a resin. Oh. Uh, you know, so there's like there's it's all sorts of resins, but like the Mesoamerican resin to to burn is you know there's like frankincense, like myrrh. sage. Is no, it no, like it's that? like frankincense it's, it's, and myrrh. It's a myrrh. kind of uh, it's a, a kind of uh, uh, like a like an incense. Yeah. Sort of. oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. But but this I have it like in its rawest form, uh, so, and it smells very specific. So it, like for me, the copal is what mm -hmm. um, helps. Um, all the candles. I got all the candles. I. I, I ding the thing three times. I do do a prayer. I ask Oshun, I mean, it's a whole thing. Today I dance for her. And the writing did come very, very um, easily. But but I cannot do it. Also, Florida, I have a spray. Florida water. That's not water from Florida. It's it's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. I just do witchy things. And I really can't. Like, that's why I can't write in my office. Even though I have the witchy things, it's not the mm -hmm. same. Because, like... Well, first of all, there's no bra involved when you're right. You know, like you have to like take it off. And, like, <laughs> How do you do that, man? No. I feel like mine go ba bang ba bang. No. They do. <laughs> but then you're like, but but there's a whole thing. Like it, it's like like you know cats who have to like turn how like do however many turns so they can't like be comfortable. That's how I can't. I have to do these steps, you know, and it works. No, no quick answers from no. us. No, this is this is fantastic. I mean, I just like. Well, you keep giving us. Do this from now on. I just make a cup of coffee. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's let's switch around, Tanya. Yeah. Uh, if you weren't a writer, what would you be? I wanted to be a teacher, but then what I, kind of teacher? I no, like a teacher of kids. And then I was like, wait, I'm not that great with kids. Mm -hmm. um, so I, maybe, and also um, it's kind of important. Yeah, it's important. And also, I did teach a default, and I was horrible at it. I don't believe but that. No, I, I don't believe that. I, I really was really bad. I got, you know how they evaluate you? She was like, they were like, they were like what was she talking about? Because I would be like, I would be like, and Oshun, you know, and they're like, what? Where does this playwriting? I don't know. I, I had like this romantic notion of teaching, you know, because I loved my teacher so much. So I thought I would have gone that way, but I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out this way. <laughs> what about you, Gloria? If you weren't a writer, uh, what would you be? I, I would say... I would say director, actor, but I get to do those things yeah. now. Um, I think teacher. You're I think a great teacher. teacher. I loved, teacher. I loved, I got to teach at the, at the college level. I taught at Loyola mm -hmm. and it was, I actually hired Michelle and yeah. Caroline. I hired a bunch of wow. former students. I really, really loved it. I love talking to excited young people who aren't yet jaded by everything. No. Tanya, what is the worst writing advice you've ever gotten? thought about this and it wasn't advice um when like when people went to watch my plays and they hated them and they're like stop writing plays like it was <laughs> not, not advice. advice it was like <laughs> just do it. it was that like you know people on twitter yeah. or whatever so it wasn't I, I don't know if i've ever gotten bad writing advice i got shitty advice about my room or when, shitty notes yeah uh, uh, guess, no yeah. no when i was trying to when i was saying i want to uh um, oh, I, I want to step in all the next room. I was there for that. Yeah. Well, that one, I yes. And then someone that. at the WGA, really high oh. up, too, was like, so I want to stop in all the next room. And the, literally, they said, 
why would you limit yourself like that? You know? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And it was like, why would you do that to yourself? And I was like, so that wasn't writing, but it was, and it really got in my head. And then, yeah, yeah somebody, yeah. yeah, the one yeah. that you, she was like, got so mad that I would I know, be so racist. <laughs> but so it was not about writing. You know, people tell me to quit writing on Twitter. And then, um, yeah. yeah. Why can't there be a white history month? Right. <laughs> straight parade. <laughs> straight parade has just happened. Gloria, what's the worst writing advice you ever got? Uh, this is really in right now to write. That's crazy to me. To write? Like, oh, right, you know, right. like, Writers write. yeah. right now we're loving, like, right now this is really selling. Yeah. I don't do that. I don't do yeah. that. Mm. I write what I want to write. People really right. listen to that, though. People really and listen to like, that. Yeah, I mean, if, people will be like, "I gotta write a family comedy," and it's like, "Well, only if you have one in." Like, don't. Well, write and that. also, the, what I what I what I really hate about that advice is that you have any idea how long it takes for a TV show to actually get on the air? Oh like, it won't be cool by be, then. No. We'll all moved on yeah. by then. Well, yeah. also, don't you want to be the show that then everyone else says we want to <laughs> yeah. be that? Yeah. Right. Like, be do that. Do the thing that. But you know, we live in this world. a very uncreative creative world. All right so. then, well, Gloria, what's the best writing advice that you can give to a young writer just kind of getting started? The best, write and write, make your own magic. Make your own magic. Mm -hmm. That's what we mm -hmm. did. We That's we good. built it and they came. Yeah. Um, do not listen to that voice that will, because I, I live in like crushing doubt, you know, all mm -hmm. the time. Don't listen to that voice and don't listen to your parents because my Especially my dad is always here, you know, yeah. and it's like shut. If you have the ability, shut those out, you know. Um, just listen just to yourself. do it, just yourself. Yeah. Thank you very much, Thanks. Gloria Calderon, Keller, Tanya Saracho. Thank you for coming. Thanks. All right, I told you that that was a fun conversation. Thank you so much to my guests, Tanya Saracho and Gloria Calderon Kellett. You can follow Gloria at. Everything Gloria, that's at Everything Gloria. You can follow Tanya at Tanya Saracho. That's S-A-R-A-C-H-O, Tanya Saracho. Thank you once again. We'll see you next time on Rough Draft. Rough Draft is a topic original series hosted by me, Reza Aslan. Executive produced by Reza Aslan, David Andrioni, Alfredo De Villa, and Safa Samizadeh Yazd. Executive producers for Topic are Ryan Chanitry, Anna Holmes, and Gina Constantinakos, with production aid from Russell Sperberg. Our music and theme is by Jacob Snyder, sound by Sean Oakley, editing and mixing by Will Stanton, with additional editing by Blake V. You can follow Rough Draft on Twitter at Rough Draft Reza, on Facebook at Rough Draft with Reza Azen, or you can email us at roughdraftpodcast at topic.com. You can also follow me, Reza Aslan, at Reza Aslan. For transcripts and a list of full credits, go to topic.com slash rdpodcast. If you love this interview, be sure to check out our TV show, as well as Topic's original series and exclusive programming from around the world. Try it for free on the Apple TV app already on your favorite devices. You can watch Topic at home or on the go with offline viewing, and you can also share your subscription between up to six family members with family sharing. Just go to apple.co slash topic, that's apple.co slash topic, to start your seven-day free trial now. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Rough Draft. Imagine. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.